Life. I'm Dean Wilson. So grateful you've joined us. You can always find us at goodlifetelevision.org and all the social media platforms. At goodlifetelevision.org, you can see all the full-form interviews as well as what we call power clips, which are some of the great moments from those interviews. And we are so grateful for so many of you who have joined us at goodlifetelevision.org from, I think, 97 countries now, all 50 states. And so wherever you are, welcome. And we're, we're so grateful that you're with us. Uh, the, the, this program is brought to you by the Turner Foundation here in Santa Barbara, California. So if you want to learn more about the Turner Foundation, you can always go to theturnerfoundation.com and you can learn a, a little bit more about what uh, they all do. I'm really excited about my guest today. Very interesting guest. Uh, Aaron Schwartzbart is with me. Aaron, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. Wonderful for to coming. be here. I, I don't know if I've ever met a real-life rocket scientist, <laughs> but uh, here we are. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm used to saying, you know, this isn't rocket science, right? but in your case, it was. It is. It, <laughs> it was and is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Aaron had a long career uh, in, in, as a rocket scientist, 28 years. Uh, before leaving that work to devote himself to full-time ministry. Uh, he is the president and pastor of a organization called Motor Gospel Ministries, which we're going to talk all about in a minute. But, but start by just kind of telling us a little bit about your background and upbringing and kind of how you became a rocket scientist and what a rocket scientist does. Right. I don't even know. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's three or four things. Um, I... I I came out of the womb hardwired to be criminally insane every time I got a steering wheel in my hand. Um, uh, uh, as, as far back as I can remember, I was like a homicidal maniac with the steering wheel um, uh, long before I was old enough to drive legally. Uh, that was in there. And I had an amazing gift for math and science, um, uh, living proof that um, however the brain works, I don't know, uh, people are much less predictable than machines are. So um, with all due respect to the behavioral sciences, um, the conclusions that they draw, in my opinion, must be held much more tentatively than the conclusions that we draw uh, dealing with a, a race car or a rocket engine or something like that, because people are so unpredictable. So given that unpredictability, I don't have a clue how the brain works, the squishy brain, but um, somehow side by side, uh, a level of uh, uh, virtually homicidal insanity uh, with the steering wheel in my hand existed side by side with brilliance for, for math and science, um, however that works. and. Uh, uh, my parents pushed me to, uh, you know, excel at the math and science for which I was gifted all my life. Uh, despite my, my strongest desire to either be a race car driver or a rock star, I was not interested in math and science. Sometimes we're very good at things that we're not passionate about. Sometimes we're very passionate about things that we aren't good at. Um, the, the, in, in choosing police officers, you don't want the most trigger-happy person, no matter how passionate they are about shooting people, that's probably not the right person to be holding the gun and using it in a mature fashion, right? right? So um, I was really good at math and science. I really wanted to be a race car driver or a rock star. And, uh, uh, but thankfully, they, they pushed me toward math and science for years, uh, despite my not being crazy about it. I got my first, uh, the first time I got less than an A on math was algebra in eighth grade. I was accustomed to math coming easily without any effort whatsoever, and algebra was a struggle. And my dad, instead of being sympathetic, he gave me 20 extra algebra problems per night on top of the regular algebra homework. He said, obviously, you're not practicing this, this vigorously enough if you're not getting A's. I hated my dad for it. I hated algebra. and and. 35 years later, after a charm career as a rocket scientist that has facilitated so much of my ministry, I thank my dad for it. Wow. Uh, yeah. 
I, I'm a Jew by blood. I was not a Christian growing up. I was more of an atheist by faith, even though a traditional American Jew by blood. And, um, and uh, I got born again in a very unexpected way at about 30 years old. Uh, Tell me that story. I oh, so um, the short version, I mean, it could take a lot of hours, but short version, uh, picture, if you will, gainfully employed taxpaying rocket scientist. My daily commute was on, on Canoga Avenue, 35 mile an hour rush hour traffic, Canoga Avenue, 90 miles an hour in and out of 35 mile an hour rush hour traffic, five days a week, every morning, every night. That wasn't even street racing. That was just, I was, I was the road warrior or, or the terminator or something. And that's, that that's was my, my persona. Yes, correct. I would slow down to 60 miles an hour for the intersections if I was turning left. Um, I would blow through them at 90 if I wasn't turning and I'd be right back up to 90 after, after turning at 60. And somehow, miraculously, I didn't kill myself or anybody else or go to jail. Um, so that's who I was, and I was proud of it. I had no shame of it. I, was, I reveled in that persona. That's who I was. And in the midst of that, as a, as a Jewish atheist, arrogant rocket scientist, homicidal maniac with the steering wheel, a, a Charles Manson or a Ted Bundy with the steering wheel, Christians asked if they could pray for me. And I said, sure, knock yourself out. Real atheists are not offended by Christians. People who have a, a, a terribly strong desire to be atheist, they're mad at this God in whom they claim to not believe. People who have a strong desire to be an atheist, they wish they were atheists, they're, they're real mad at Christians who have a faith of which they're jealous, right? But genuine atheists, they don't care about God any more than they care about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. To the, to the extent that I was an atheist, I had no problem with Christians or their fairy tale God or anybody else's fairy tale God. So I said, sure, knock yourselves out. You know, it's really sweet of you all to want to pray for me. This isn't going to make me a Christian or anything like that. And they went, oh, they said, they said it's not up to us to make you a Christian. That's, that's, that's a work of God if it's going to happen for you. And if it happens for you, it will be unmistakable. And they laid their hands on me and prayed for me as an atheist, standing stone cold sober as a judge, not looking for an experience, not being subject to power of suggestion or anything like that. Um, they prayed for about 10 minutes and for about a minute and a half out of the 10, electricity played up and down my back. I'm not talking about sentiment or emotion. I mean, the kind of thing that an atheist would understand, you know, would take note of. And I asked them afterward, did you touch my back? Or so? I knew they didn't touch my back, but I had no ex explanation for the physical manifestation of electricity. And uh, they said, no, why do you ask? And I said, well, I felt something like electricity going up and down my back. And they said, that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's a common occurrence. They weren't even phased by it. And I don't know which was more attention getting to me as an arrogant atheist scientist, the experience of electricity, or the fact that they weren't jumping up and down shouting hallelujah like this was par for the course for them. I stopped being an atheist literally that night, but I did not become a Christian that night. I was highly skeptical, you know, highly analytical, lots of questions, not one to park my brain at the door and join a club. A couple of years of similar experiences, that electricity experience, and I surrendered my life to Christ. And I've been, I've been serving him as best I can for well, this is going on 30 years ago now. I'm, I'm pushing 60 now. That was around the age of 30 that that happened. Wow. Yeah. So he knew a really smart guy like you probably needed the electricity in apparently, the back. Apparently. Like, maybe. Right, right, apparently. Yeah, that's amazing. Right. And what, is, what has been the before and after story for you? Well, um, uh, I'm assuming you don't drive 90 and 35. Correct. I, I go way faster now than I ever did then, and only at racetracks throughout the Western United States. <laughs> you know, now I'm doing 158 in the John 316 car. I have I have four championships in the John 316 race car, uh, uh, Motor Gospel Ministries race car. Um, on my budget, I'm doing 158 coming into turn one at Fontana. I'm running over top of cars that are doing 125, 
we're getting passed by a privileged few that can afford to go in excess of 200 miles an hour. And in this bumper to bumper pack of 50 cars ranging from 125 to 200 miles an hour, we're all slamming into the same turn together. Uh, that's what I do now. Uh, back then, it was 90 miles an hour and 35 mile an hour rush hour traffic, being a danger to everybody. Um, often driving drunk, I, I had no qualms. Really? I was actually meaner when I was sober than I was drunk. Some people, they're, they're, they're a mean drunk. I was a mean, so I was a criminally insane sober and I was a really soft, sweet spirited drunk and I would drive drunk. Um, less dangerously probably than when I was sober driving criminally, you know, homicidally. Um, uh, wow. I was a producer and a consumer of sordid, sordid pornography, dark pornography, not, not nice vanilla, Bob Guccione, Hugh Hefner. I mean stuff that would have gotten Charles Manson off. Uh, I, 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 some of my most poignant creative energy. It's a fascinating thing, fascinating theological point for people to ponder that are, that are watching this. Not everything that is skillfully executed and captivating and beautiful, whether it's in music or paintbrush or cinematography or whatever, not all of that is pleasing to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. I'm, I was living proof of that. I, did, I was critically acclaimed. I was amateur, but critically acclaimed. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that I could have seduced 80% of the population into lusting after whatever I wanted them to lust after with, with really? the camera. Seduction is, uh, seduction is a $189 billion a year business on Madison Avenue, right? Seduction convinces people that they can't live without a $70,000 car or something like that, which right. is objectively untrue. Um, right. So yeah, I was really into seduction. Uh, all that stuff changed virtually overnight. I never had, it, I, I know pastors that still struggle with pornography and I have sympathy for them. I don't know why God, sometimes God delivers people in the blink of an eye, right. and sometimes God uses a 12-step program, and sometimes right. God leaves us to struggle for the rest of our lives, and he doesn't owe us any explanations it's on like why. Jacob's lip. Right? Yeah. So he doesn't owe us any explanation. Yeah. But in my case, after being a producer, and, a, 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 and, and I reveled in it, I, wasn't, I had no shame about it, uh, a, 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 a self-glorifying producer of sordid, sordid pornography, I lost the appetite for pornography virtually overnight, um, when I got born again about 30 years ago, uh, not even looking for a change. People say you have to want to change to change. No, some people weren't looking. Saul wasn't looking for a change when he was riding on right? I was happy with pornography. I was happy the way I was. I wasn't looking to become a Christian. Um, that changed virtually overnight. I haven't stumbled with it not once in 30 years. I haven't been tempted not once in 30 years. And I'm not bragging about that. I'm not no. giving myself the credit. I know plenty of very mature pastors that still wrestle with it. Yeah. Um, in my case, I still wrestle with road rage when I'm provoked, but for whatever reason, the porn thing, he, he dealt with that virtually overnight 30 years ago. Unbelievable. It is, it's incredible. And I don't know why he chose to deal with that one in the blink of an eye, whereas the road rage, he wants me to sort of be mature and, and, uh, <laughs> right. and, 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 and vigilant regarding my own heart, my own attitude yeah. when, when provoked. Yeah. yeah. So you must feel a lot freer than, you didn't even know you weren't free probably. Right, right. But now you're free. Oh. Does that feel good? Yes, yes it feels good. Yeah. yeah. What does a rocket scientist do? Uh, it, it depends on, the, 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 the answer to that question depends on the context of course. My case, I, I joke about this a little bit, I dev, I've devoted 35 years of my life and now uh, a footnote to the, what you have is uh, since we talked, uh, I got a phone call and some friends asked me to go help them go back to the moon. So I told them I wasn't willing to give up the ministry, uh, but I'm, I'm a part-time consultant back in the space program now. Well, now, now young guys with immense, immense responsibility for really, really ambitious stuff are 
paying me really well to give my opinion. They have all the responsibility, and I just sit around giving my opinion that I've built up over 28 years at, at Rocketdyne. Um, it's it's a chapter of my. So, so okay, so you're consulting for the space program. Yes, yeah, for people uh, are Blue going Origin. back to the moon. Yeah, yeah, correct. Just on the side. Yes, correct. <laughs> Okay, let's go I, back to right, right. It's, it's this a, is a whole different league here. We're dealing with, uh, yeah. Well, okay, so people on career, these Grateful Dead pages. You know, I'm a musician, and I'm really into the Grateful Dead. Even though I'm a pastor, I don't approve of everything the Grateful Dead stood for, but I still love the music. Um, yeah. Going back to when I was 18, and I was a Deadhead, and I was in the yeah. Armbrothers and all that. People on these Grateful Dead pages occasionally want to talk about stuff besides Jerry Garcia, and they say, "So what does everybody do here for a living?" And I'm like. I drive really fast, I rock really hard, and occasionally some rocket scientists, rocket science on the side. It's, it's like the weirdest answer, and yet it's... It's true. It's true, right. So in my case, I joke about this. I've devoted 35 years of my, my life to playing with little coils of wire and little magnets. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a child science project. You, you do this in junior high, make a little electromagnet, you do this, that, and the other. I've devoted 35 years of my life to elevating that to a, a very high level of understanding as it applies to uh, liquid rocket engine turbo machinery. So a liquid rocket engine is an upside down funnel and in the case uh, in, into which you pump propellants and you light it at the bottom, fire comes out the bottom and it pushes things up. It's, it's really as simple as that. There's much more to it obviously, but at the executive summary level it's, it's just upside down funnel that pushes things up because fire is coming out the bottom. Um, the, in the case of uh, turbo machinery fed liquid rocket engine, you have pumps that are spinning that are feeding those propellants in there, as opposed to like a bottle of gas. Like if you just opened a, cranked open a bottle of gas, you wouldn't have any turbo machinery. Well, my area of specialty is the subset of liquid rocket engines that use pumps to pump the propellants in there. Those pumps could be plus 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit at one end, minus 300 degrees Fahrenheit at the other end, spinning 48,000 RPM um, uh, uh, with vibration that's tantamount to like a paint shaker or jackhammer or something. And you have 300 little widgets on that pump taking an EKG, measuring everything about that pump, the blood pressure of the pump, all this stuff. Those widgets have to survive these thermal extremes, this vibration, all that stuff, these very high speeds. And if they're not right, 100% of the time, you might kill seven astronauts on the evening news. So my 35 years of playing with little magnets and coils of wire have been in the context of making a better EKG for those pumps. And the magnet and the coil of wire is like the little patch that goes on your chest for the EKG. I'm the world's and expert. Those are at on the... the the patch that would go on your chest for an EKG, yeah. that little thing. Yeah. That's that's a little assembly with a magnet and a coil of wire going inside the pump to do the EKG on the pump. And I'm I'm I've over the course of 35 years that I didn't plan on. When I came out of college in 1985, UCLA degree in physics, I had no idea what I wanted to do, except I knew I wanted to be a race car driver or a rock star. Um, but I had no idea what I wanted to do in physics in 1985. And over 35 years, I've become the world's expert at uh, making the little thing that takes the EKG on these, these liquid rocket engine pumps. What happened to the Challenger? Oh man, is that an interesting and big question. Um, so we do, Go ahead. As quickly as you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, how long do you That's have? Some pretty right, right, questions. right. So the, um, the, the, we do something called root cause analysis where we say we define the event, and let's say the event is the astronauts died. Why did the astronauts die? Blunt force trauma. Why did the astronauts experience blunt force trauma? Well, they fell in the ocean. Why did they fall in the ocean? Uh, the Challenger lost thrust, so on and so forth. So we could spend eight hours on that chain, and that chain can have capillaries. Sometimes it's a single stream, but sometimes you get two things like this. Like, why didn't they design the O-rings to handle uh, snow in Florida? 
and why did some decision maker decide to launch that day, that cold, cold day, even though the people who designed the O-rings told them it's, it's questionable at best whether these, you know, now you start to get into multiple answers to that question. But the short version, um, the astronauts died, um, uh, the O-rings shrank and, uh, and allowed uh, propellant to flame to come out where it wasn't supposed to come out. You, you take a stick of dynamite, you wrap aluminum foil around it, you put an ant on top of it, you light it, and you hope that the aluminum foil contains all the fire so that it only comes out the bottom, gently lifting the ant up. But if you get a leak in that aluminum foil, the dynamite goes boom like this wow. instead of all coming out the bottom. That's wow. the short version. Wow. Fascinating six or eight hour long dialogue we could have about all of those capillaries. But Someday we'll do that. Good, good. So the attention to detail is just insane. Oh, right, yes, correct. Insane is the word. People cannot imagine the youngsters coming out of school, they only know Wikipedia and Google and stuff, and they don't want to be bored. They have, they have a, a, a TikTok uh, attention span, and, um, and they want to be in charge of the moonshot because it sounds so interesting and adventurous. The, the people with dreamers like that kill astronauts. The, the people who, in whose, uh, we, we lost 13 astronauts and one civilian school teacher on my watch, despite an insane level of attention to detail. And people can't imagine the, the tedious nature of that attention to detail that keeps the fire coming down the right end. Right. So in addition to, to, to your brain working like this, yes. you're a pastor. Yes, sir. You have, you have pastoral gifting. Yes. Talk about mo motorsport and, and, and remote gospel yeah. ministries and what your goal is. Okay. Um, it's, it's largely divided into uh, three... Uh, Three activities. Um, uh, we have we have very flagrantly uh, Christian activities: uh, church ministry, uh, Saturday morning Sabbath services, Friday night evangelism. I stand out on Friday nights with a keytar in my hand. I do a very unusual thing. Everybody knows keytar is this this bubblegum uh, toy from 80s music. I, I do BB King on the keytar. I play really? I play uh, weeping, moaning, wailing blues on a keytar like Eric Clapton and BB King and such. Um, I do, I shred like Eddie Van Halen, and I do Guns N' Roses like Slash and stuff. All sanitized versions of the songs, uh, so we're not uh, featuring any lyrics that are displeasing to the Lord. And it's cranked up to 11, and everybody at Granada Hills Food Truck Fridays knows the guy who shreds like Van Halen and Slash on the keytar in the name of Jesus with the motor, huge motor gospel banner and the Bibles and the tracks and stuff on the table. Um, so that's, 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 that's flagrantly Christian activity. That's evangelism Friday nights. Saturday morning Sabbath service, very somber, quiet, acoustic piano stuff, very reverent. I want Saturday to be a time of rest. Six days a week is wide open throttle with shredding the keytar and driving 158 miles an hour in bumper to bumper traffic. Sabbath is a time of rest. It's not a time for entertainment. So very quiet, contemplative, acoustic piano. Uh, I sing in Hebrew, I sing in English, I sing in Spanish. Um, sometimes it's just silent, reverent quiet, silent prayer and stuff like that. Um, and then really intense biblical teaching uh, of, of the type that is uh, commensurate with the Talbot education, as you might imagine. Um, but separate from that is what I like to call kindness for kindness sake, um, uh, non-religious benevolence in the community. Um, I'm convinced that Jesus fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fishes, not as a, uh, as, a, as, a, as a seduction, not as a Madison Avenue technique to get them to come to an evangelistic crusade, but because the Bible says he had compassion on them. They were hungry. And uh, you don't get the sense that he only fed them if they were good targets for his evangelistic efforts. You, you got the sense that it was sincere compassion. So 
a big element of motor gospel ministries is kindness for kindness sake, just simple compassion. And the, the, the most notable activity there is my life-saving anti-street racing campaign that I operate for the Los Angeles Police Department uh, in cooperation with local government and uh, California Highway Patrol, other law enforcement agencies, and uh, piggybacking on much bigger organizations than ours, like the National Auto Sport Association. They have the infrastructure to rent Auto Club Speedway for a weekend and give us a place to play at 200 miles an hour with the $2 million death dismemberment policy and the jaws of life and the EMTs and all the infrastructure. So as, as the president and pastor of Motor Gospel Ministries anti-street racing campaign, um, we get young people sentenced by the courts to come to the track where we embarrass them in bumper to bumper traffic at 150 to 200 miles an hour. They thought they knew how to drive for about the, they, they come swaggering in and they go out, you know, with a much more sober, street racing loses a lot of its luster when you're out there at 150 miles an hour and you're the slow guy. And right. Yeah, you thought you were Vin Diesel because you had the haircut, but then you find out <laughs> Vin, Vin Diesel is an actor. I'm a driver, I'm not an actor. Vin Diesel right. is an actor. I want to give one example. Angel Rodriguez yes. is a client. So Angel was arrested for street racing, sentenced to community service with Motor Gospel Ministries. As part of his service, he, he, he competed legally against off-duty Sergeant Jesse Garcia in Motor Gospel's inaugural Beat the Heat drag race at Irwindale Drag Strip. His community service was completed long ago, but Angel has stayed with Motor Gospel and he's showing promises. So this is the type of kid who yes. was doing this illegal yes. street racing, yes. you guys grab them yep. or they have to come right. because of a judge tells them to. Right. And you're seeing transformation in their yes. lives. Yes. Talk about that. It's meaningful transformation. It's not the kind of transformation that comes from bringing kids and making them sit in traffic school and making them sign a, an insincere pledge to never speed again. It's the mm -hmm. kind of transformation that comes when you think you're there's no nice Christianese word for BA, you know, <laughs> bad something. But right, right. you think you're bad something, you climb in that octagon and Tito Ortiz chokes you out in about 10 seconds, that's life changing. Your attitude, any, any, any rethinking you might do of being bad something and beating people up in the streets, um, that's not an insincere pledge that you're signing from eight hours in traffic school. You just got choked out by Tito Ortiz in 15 seconds. You realize real fast, you, you, you get a much clearer perspective on things. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. What is, so what our is transformation is we have like almost no recidivism. When they get a taste of the track, they either decide they're not cut out for racing and they straighten up their act on the street, or they decide they really like this, they buy a race car, and, and in either way, we've, we've saved a life, potentially. Wow. Yeah. And the, LAP, the LAPD works with you in this? Yes, sir. How, how did that happen? Well, it's interesting. Uh, let's see, where do we begin? Um, the, the literal answer to that, the historical answer to that, uh, with many details for which we don't have time, is um, I left the space program in 2012 to devote full time to the ministry. I now had 50 hours a week to spend instead of 10 hours a week uh, to devote to my, my passion. You know, I founded Motor Gospel in 2001. We're celebrating our 20th anniversary. I founded it in 2001, but I was an amateur until 2012. I didn't leave the day job till 2012. So that was 10 years of it being my passion spending 10 hours a week on it now 2012 i had 50 hours a week to spend on on this passion and this calling and i saw an advertisement for an open house that they were having at lapd mission community police station and i called them up randomly and said hey you want a john 316 race car there with a driver signing autographs giving out anti-street racing literature and they said cool come on and uh, uh we got to know each other 
Um, their captain, then Captain Todd Chamberlain, he retired a commander, he's retired now, but Todd Chamberlain took me under his wing. So in addition to, um, you know, manager, uh, leader, gunslinger, detective, uh, marital counselor, everything else that a police captain has to do. He was also career counselor for a semi-retired rocket scientist do-gooder, helping me understand not biting, biting off more than I could chew, you know, how ambitious should I be in the community. And under his tutelage, Motor Gospel has just mushroomed since then in a good way. How do people find you? Like, where are you? Like, Mostly on Facebook. We have a website, motorgospel.org. Okay. Um, I have Instagram, uh, Aaron Schwartzbart. I have Twitter, Aaron Schwartzbart. We have three Facebooks, uh, Aaron Schwartzbart, Motor Gospel Ministries, and Motor Gospel Youth Center. But right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, my Aaron Schwartzbart Facebook page has 3,600 plus followers. The others all have a few hundred followers. So mo my most vigorous activity is uh, my Aaron Schwartzbart Facebook okay. and my IMDB page. We have a, uh, uh, working with my partner, Neil Newman, a longtime cinematographer, partner, 15 years. We've cranked out about 20 anti-street racing uh, short documentary shorts uh, in cooperation with the PD and the government. And uh, wow. that's all over IMDB. And where are you located when you're doing your... Right. Friday oh, nights. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Granada Hills Grub Fest. Uh, Mary Turner operates uh, arguably the biggest food truck festival in the world. She gets 26 food trucks on a, on a warm summer night where wow. most food truck festivals might have six or eight trucks. She has like 26 trucks um, uh, right near the Motor Gospel Youth Center, 17735 Chatsworth Street, Granada Hills, California, 91344, corner of Yarmouth and Chatsworth, right next to Jack in the Box okay. in the LA Alignment parking lot. There you are. Yes, sir. And where's the where's the Sabbath service? Uh, at the Motor Gospel Center, um, uh, same at one seven seven three five Chatsworth Street, uh, Granada Hills nine one three four four. Okay. Yeah. And then so people can join you. Yes, sir. And find you there. Yes, sir. You're amazing. I could well, talk you are to you too. for a long time. Huh? I really could talk to you for a long. <laughs> I don't say that to very many people. Wow. I can talk you. to you for a long time. Thank you. What a guy, Aaron <laughs> Schwartzbart. He is a pastor president, a, an evangelist it sounds like, a musician, a rocket scientist, we could go on. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next time.